All right, the passage that we want to spend a few moments thinking about is found in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. Let's be standing as we read this, the Word of God. Remain standing for the song that follows. Paul writes, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Word of God. All right. You know, the New Testament gives us four different accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus, each one of them telling the story of Jesus in a slightly different way. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that kind of invites me to pick my favorite. Out of the four, I appreciate all four of them, but there's one of them that really speaks to me. And I don't know which one of the four you prefer, but I'm a Mark guy. The Jesus that Mark describes is the Jesus that truly touches my heart and my life. You know, Mark presents Jesus as a man of action and really a man of few words. In fact, if you've got a red-letter New Testament where the words of Jesus are highlighted in red, if you kind of thumb through the Gospels, you notice that there's a lot more red in Matthew and Luke and John than there is Mark. Now, that doesn't mean that Mark doesn't think what Jesus has to say is important. In fact, by kind of paring down the words of Jesus, those words hit us, I believe, even harder. But when Mark tells his story, he gets all excited and he moves from one thing to the next. In fact, one of his favorite words is the word immediately. When you read Mark, you're always going, and immediately this happened, and then immediately this happened, and look, and immediately this happened. For example, when he begins his gospel, he doesn't start with the birth or with Joseph and Mary and the nice sweet story that we just read at Christmas time. He jumps right in. John the Baptist appears in the wilderness, this wild man wearing camel hair and long hair and a long beard preaching that judgment was coming upon the world. He preached that one who was coming after him was even stronger than he was. And then, boom, immediately, there's Jesus. And Jesus comes to John, and he's baptized, and the Holy Spirit descends upon him, and the heavens open, and the voice of God speaks out, says, this is my son whom I loved, in whom I am well pleased. All of these things. And then the Spirit drives Jesus out into the wilderness where he goes into head-to-head combat with Satan himself. 
And then after that, he returns to Galilee, he begins his ministry, and there he speaks. Mark has gotten us ready to hear the voice of Jesus. All these things happening so fast. Boom, 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 boom. And now Jesus opens his mouth and he speaks. And what he says is not only for the benefit of those who heard his voice, but the benefit of us as well. Hear the first sermon of Jesus. Hear the words of Jesus. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Short sermon, but wow, so much is packed into that. Every one of those words is carefully chosen and very important. He begins by saying, the time is fulfilled. Now, the word that Mark says there, uses there, is not the word chronos, like we get chronology. He's not talking about time as time passes by. Really, he's talking about the opportunity, the right time. Here it is. The opportunity is now. This is the day. As Paul later on would say, today is the day of salvation. You've been waiting all this time. Here it is. The kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God, the rule of God, the authority of God, the realm in which God is exalted and honored as our Lord and our Master. The kingdom of God made up of those who recognize God as Lord and who live their lives then based on the fact that He is King and we are His people. Repent. Now, there's a good church word, isn't it? Usually when we think of repent, we think, oh, I've done something bad. I need to feel sorry for that, and I need to make a vow that I'm not going to do that anymore. And that, that is repentance. But when Jesus calls people to repent, it's more than that. He's basically saying, turn around. Change the direction of your lives. The kingdom of God is here. There is something different happening. Therefore, you are called upon to change your life to fit into that kingdom. And then he goes on to explain that by saying, believe this. Believe in the good news. And believe does not mean just kind of check a little box in your mind. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I, that's fine. I think that. But rather it's buy into this. Believe this. Invest in this. This is the most important thing you will ever hear. So if we take that and kind of retranslate this first sermon, it's like this. The opportunity is here. The reign of God, the authority of God is near. Come on, folks. Change the direction of your lives and buy into this good news. Now this message echoes all through Jesus' ministry. And even the Apostle Paul then, when he sits down to write to his friends, he says basically the same thing many times in different words. The text that we read today was from Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. Toward the end of that text, listen to what he says. Doesn't this kind of remind us of what Jesus was talking about? 
God has rescued us from the power of darkness. The power of just wandering around, living aimless lives, living lives that we don't really know what their purpose is. God has rescued us from the power of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Now, right before this, Paul is talking about what all that means. Back up, if we back up a couple of verses, he says, That's why I'm asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God, with God's will, what God wants. Living in the kingdom of God means you care. You care about what God wants from you. You care about what God wants for the world. You care about what he wants because he's the king, he's in charge, and you are serving him. So therefore, I am asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? So that you may lead lives that are worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him as you bear fruit in every good work. Therefore, from the lips of Jesus, from the pen of Paul, I am called upon to make sure that my life is oriented to the kingdom of God. That I am living under his authority and his rule. That I am living in a way morally that will bring honor to him. That I am living in a way as far as what I do that brings praise to him. That I am spending my life doing the things of his kingdom that will last forever. And not only... Am I called upon to look at myself? But I'm also called upon to look around at his other children and to be involved with them. I want to be involved in a church that understands kingdom stuff. I want to be involved in a church that understands what are works of the kingdom and that busily applies itself to what God wants to happen now in this time so that all may experience His grace, His mercy, His authority, and His rule. Here at Johnson Street, and we were almost going to apologize to the college students about this that are visiting with us because this is the end of January, and the end of January is the end of our year here at Johnson Street. We have spent the last few months as elders, as staff, as deacons, at looking at the work of this church and then looking ahead as to what we're going to be doing. And as we do that, the chief thing that we have on our hearts and our mind is that we want this church to do kingdom things. We want this church to be involved in the things that God wants to happen in this community and in the people's lives that it touches. But I'm not going to apologize to the college students because I hope that you have in your heart as well to find a church in your home that does kingdom work and that you will be involved in that and you will hear the words of your Lord Jesus Christ saying, repent, invest yourself in this good news because the kingdom of God is here. This is your opportunity. This church, I believe, is blessed with leaders and members who have a heart for the kingdom of God. 
Well, what are some of the things that are kingdom work? We're only going to touch a few of these. I only have a few minutes left. There's so much that is involved in doing the work of the kingdom. But these are some of the things we wanted to talk about today. Worship. Worship is a kingdom thing. In fact, if you read the book of Revelation, especially as it gets to the end of the book and it's describing what it's like when heaven and earth come together, we have a new heaven and a new earth and we're all spending eternity with God. It's worship, worship, worship. Therefore, since worship is so much a part of eternity, is a part of the kingdom of God now. That's why it's important for us to schedule our time where we come together, especially on Sunday mornings, the first day of the week, whenever we gather around this table and we commune in the presence of our Lord again. And when we as a people unite our prayers together and take them and present them before the throne of God and therefore honor God and praise God, when we open our mouths and sing His praises and the beautiful harmonies, and wasn't the singing good today? Yeah, thanks guys. (laughs) That's kingdom stuff. That's what happens in the kingdom of God. And since praise and honor and worship occur in God's kingdom forever, I want some of it now. I want to be involved in it now. This church loves worship. We have frequent worship times. And this coming year, we are investing in adding another staff member who will give full attention to our worship in order to broaden us and deepen us and make worship even more of a time when it not only impacts us in in an emotional way, but it changes our lives and changes our hearts. Another activity that is kingdom stuff, if you want to say it, is teaching. Jesus, whenever he was about to leave this earth in bodily form, gathered his disciples on the mountain, and he said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. That's the kingdom. He's in charge. He says, therefore, you go out and you make disciples And how do you do that? You baptize them, and then you teach them. You teach them everything that I have told you, everything that I have commanded you. So to go out and to make disciples and to teach, that's kingdom work. And this church has committed its heart and its life to the teaching of God's Word and the making of disciples. From Bible classes for all ages uh, you know, that, that's just such a normal thing. The church has done Bible classes for about 150 years now. Uh, you might have thought it went all the way back to the first century. No, about 150, 160 years, churches have been doing Bible classes. And that's an important part. It takes like 300 people for us to have Bible classes in a year. Did you know that? That's quite a commitment of hours, of time, of heart to teach our children, to teach our adults. You know, we've got all kinds of Bible classes going on. We've got Tony's class. Bless you, Tony. Tony gathers on Sunday mornings, on Wednesday nights, people that are struggling with addictions, people who have had just major events in their lives that have gotten them off track and have suffered, and works with those folks, shows them the Word of God, turning point that provides a place for people to get their lives back together. And those of you who work with that and give your heart and your soul to that ministry, God's blessings upon you. Other things we do, World Bible School. We've got a whole group of people that spend hours during the week 
grading and communicating with people not only in this community and this country but all over the world because they have a heart for that because teaching and making disciples is a part of kingdom work. Our campus center is all about making disciples. Taking young folks who come at a very pivotal point in their lives and presenting to them not only verbally what the gospel of Jesus Christ is but living it out before them. And for a church to care about a university and their students That's kingdom stuff. That is kingdom work. That is building the kingdom of God. This church, you guys, make that possible down there. Almost solely, you support that. You've provided a place for them. You provide staff for them. And you open your homes to them. You provide food for them. You're doing the work of the kingdom. And God bless you for that. Phyllis and Antenor, we talk about a lot. We're concerned about people all over the world. And they're in Brazil, and we provide ways for, for uh, Antenor to be on television there. He's become quite a, a nationwide celebrity. People all over Brazil know Antenor through his televised teachings and preachings. Making disciples, doing the work of the kingdom. That's another picture. That didn't turn out too well of people there. At the church. We just heard from Jennifer in Catali. Jennifer takes these little children, some of whom who have never heard of Jesus before, sets them in her house and tells them about this wonderful man that lived years ago and died for them, was resurrected from the dead for them, and now lives with God to bless them. What wonderful good news for these children who have already faced more struggles than most of us ever will in our lifetime to hear about Jesus Christ. That's kingdom work. Some of you may not be aware that we also are, are, are involved in uh, the Biblical Institute of Central America, which is training ministers and evangelists to go out into Guatemala and Honduras. And uh, it's a wonderful model that they have because they'll support them for a limited amount of time, educate them, teach them, train them, and send them out. And hundreds of congregations have been started in Central America based out of that uh, biblical institute. We're glad to be about that. I've got to hurry. But you know what? When it comes to doing kingdom work, if we go back and look at Jesus, as he described his own work, he really focused in, although he was a teacher and although he worshiped and praised God, he focused in on what we did for those who are weaker than ourselves. When he preached his first sermon at home in Nazareth at his home congregation, he quoted a passage out of Isaiah and said, this is my mission statement. And in that passage, he said, I'm here to bring good news to the poor. I'm here to bring release to the captives. I'm here to set the oppressed free. And if we are going to be about doing the work of the kingdom of God, we have a heart for those who struggle. We have a heart for those who are in need. We have a heart for the weak. And I want to tell you, This church blows me away with how big your heart is in this area. For example, back in the 1980s, I was here just a green kid right out of school working with the young people. (laughs) Not these guys. The young people I worked with now are grandparents. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) That's kind of a blessing in and of itself. But anyway, uh, back in the late 70s, early 80s, I began hearing some people here at Johnson Street talk about, you know, some people grow older 
And they, they end up in retirement years. They don't have many resources. They don't have a nice place to live. They don't have a place where they feel safe. Let's build a big apartment complex and let people live there for practically nothing so that they can have a nice place and they can be safe and they can live in community and they can take care of each other. And I am honest. When, when I heard that, I thought, what? This church can't do that. That's too big. You can't, you can't build 150 apartments just to rent them out for almost nothing. There it is. Christian Village opened, in, I believe, in 1983. Is that good? 1981. 1981. Has blessed how many hundreds of people as they have been able to go there and live there and be safe and find community and find the blessing of the Lord. That's all because the people of this church cared about that and had a dream for that and were willing to overcome obstacles as one after another as they came in. Of course, you have to talk about Rust Street. We talk about Rust Street here a lot, but that is such a wonderful ministry. Look at some numbers. Last year, I asked Bob, how many people did Rust Street serve? 22,188. Folks, we're a community of 100,000. 22,000. 188 people. Now, some of those were repeats. They came in more than once during the year. That's still a lot of folks. That takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of volunteers. It takes a lot of people rearranging their lives so that they can go and sort clothes or they can go and they can hand out uh, groceries to others. They can do all the multitude of tasks that are involved in Rust Street. Notice how many pounds of food were given away. 235,310 pounds of food given away to those who came and needed help. That's kingdom stuff. That's caring about the people of this community. Harvest House is another thing that kind of slides into the background sometimes. But I don't know how many dozens of families during the year. This is a house owned by this church. We have a call from the chaplain at the hospital. Someone has had an accident here in our area. They're in intensive care. Their folks are from Tennessee or Kentucky or California or somewhere else. They're coming in. They've never been to San Angelo before. They don't know what's going on. Their loved one is at the brink of death. Do you have a place for them to stay? And there it is. Taking people in. Hospitality. That's kingdom work. Takes effort. Takes money. But it takes people who care about that house. Who will go clean it up. Who take care of it. Who make sure everything is in that house that a family would need. Catalia again comes to mind. We've had people, I got, well, is that Ed and uh, I, I can't, Lori, uh, Michael, Elizabeth, and uh, Cindy's up there. Yeah, there she is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. To go and to hold those children. There's nothing more that's a work of the kingdom than to care about parentless children who live in an environment that is so tough. This church has a heart for that. I once heard someone say in a seminar, I think it was probably 30 years ago, and it stuck with me all this time. Someone once asked the question, if your church 
ceased to exist, would your community even notice? Well, I'm here to say, not, I hope, with pride or to be a proud person, but really with humility as I stand in front of you guys, that this community would notice if there wasn't a Johnson Street. This church has a heart for the kingdom of God. And as we go into another year of work, I pray that we will continue to rearrange our schedules, to be involved in doing the work of God's kingdom. Here at this building, across the street, or across the town at Rust Street, in Harvest Town, there's so many ways. And over the next few weeks, we'll be giving you ways that you can be involved in those things. Oh, let's hear once again the words of Jesus. The first words that he spoke. The words that he wants to ring in our lives. People, the opportunity is here. The kingdom of God is near. Change the direction of your lives. Buy into this good news. That's his plea to us. We hear it. We respond. Let's stand and sing.